Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 86. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, sometimes we feel like there's no choice but to shake our heads at the stuff our friends do. They may be into some things that go way beyond the limits for us. What do we do in those times? Do we cut them loose? Do we whack them upside the head with a brick? I think today's episode just might give us some insight from one of the best in the game. Check it out. You know, there comes a point in any relationship, friendships, marriage, coworkers, family, where things move beyond the honeymoon stage. Where you start to get to know somebody a little bit deeper beyond the small talk, beyond what they post on their Facebook profile, You start to get to know maybe what gets under their skin or what hits their hot buttons. Welcome to being part of the human race. But there's something cool that happens when you get to this point in the relationship and you still decide to be friends or you still decide to be spouses or family or whatever. You finally get to the point where you start to be able to connect beyond that surface level. But what about when one of your friends starts doing stupid. They start doing something or getting into things that you just can't celebrate or be a part of anymore. They're using their one phone call to call you for bail money. Or they're texting you about how great their hot date was five seconds before they walk in to greet their spouse. Yeah, that one got a couple cringes, I know. Have you ever tried to call somebody out on that and you get kind of this garden variety response you know what that works good for you and I'm glad that's how you live but that's not me that can be sort of the de facto response that we get as Christians I've gotten it myself as I've no matter how good my intentions might be about trying to talk to somebody about something that you look at and you just go why are you doing this but in a culture that is growing ever more post-Christian, the odds go up that that response comes to people no matter what, whether you're a Christian or not, because it's a culture, right or wrong, where everybody just sort of makes their own standards and makes their own way of orchestrating how they're going to put their lives together. So what do we do when somebody's working on a different standard than we are? Do we just bail out and say, all right, I can't hang out with you anymore. I'm done. See ya. Have a nice life. Do we try and clock them with a brick and really wake them up? Sometimes maybe that'll work. I don't know. I've been hit a few times myself. Well, I think today's story can help us keep our friends close, keep the bricks out of our hands, and change lives, both yours and theirs, forever. You may be a bit familiar with it, but I hope you'll hear it in a new, fresh way. Out of Luke 19, I'm going to start off with the first four verses. We'll break this one up as we go. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. 
You ever see somebody you don't like for whatever reason, and it finally comes time for them to pay the piper on something, you just want to go in your head, yeah, buddy, it's about time. We don't like to admit it publicly, but inside it can feel pretty good when the other guy gets theirs. I'm guessing there's a whole lot of that going on in Jericho as this story starts to unfold. Because Zacchaeus is not only a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector, top guy, one of their own, working for the oppressive Roman government and padding his own luxurious lifestyle on top of it. I mean, it would be like the deacons coming up here after, work, after worship going, yeah, daddy needs a new BMW, granddaughter needs a new pony, I think I'll take some of this, and ooh, that one looks good. I, yep. It can be so easy to watch the headlines or the trending articles or the news posts and stuff like that, and you see some celeb who just face plants their life, and you go, yep, that's what you get for doing stupid. Or maybe if you read a Bible passage about judgment and you're like, you can think of a hundred different demographics that are like, it's going to suck to be you someday. So let's just call Zacchaeus what he probably would have been called, the G-rated version in Jericho. Let's see, cheat, tax collector, that's about as low as you can go. Turncoat. And when Jesus walks onto the scene, the people in Jericho, and probably us as well, would look at somebody who does all those kinds of things. I mean, if somebody was a cheat, somebody, you know, one of our own were stealing money for their BMW, we'd have some feelings about them. And as Jesus walks on the scene, we, probably like the people in Jericho, be thinking, all right, we want the epic showdown. We want the cinema going. We want it built up, hyped up. Jesus versus Zacchaeus, live on pay-per-view. Don't miss it. And the moment finally comes. And like every mixed martial arts battle that's gotten hyped up, we see them looking at each other. And the story continues in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. Not exactly the response we were expecting. Or maybe even hoping for. You know, there is a gospel summary that I heard this week that's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. But if you read the gospel stories, the more you read them, the more you realize it is really difficult to refute this one statement. That Jesus never blamed pagans for acting like pagans. Think about every biblical story you know. Jesus never condemns the pagans for acting like pagans, does he? Let's simplify this a little bit. Given this is a room, I don't think there's any Muslims in here. So Christian or not, this idea works. Okay, Let's say a Muslim comes up to you and says, why don't you pray five times a day facing Mecca? Well, if you're not a Muslim, the answer is really pretty simple. I'm not a Muslim. Why would I pray five times a day facing Mecca? And yet, 
By the same token, why is it that Christians are surprised when non-Christians act like non-Christians? Why are we surprised when non-Christians are like, why should I only have sex in the context of marriage? Why are we surprised if a non-Christian doesn't care about cleaning up their language or doesn't care about stopping getting drunk every Saturday night? Why are we surprised when non-Christians who make laws make laws as though this were a non-Christian nation? Why does that surprise us? And when we think that Jesus is showing love to this pagan who's acting, been acting like a pagan, maybe we want him to get some flack for that. And Jesus does. In Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 11, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. People see Jesus showing love to this guy that, I mean, Christians and non-Christians look at this guy's resume and they're like, this guy has got to go. And he's showing love. And yeah, Jesus gets his flack for it. It's no different in this very episode, in verse 7, where it says, all who saw it, who saw this interaction, began to grumble and say, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Jesus changed human history in three years of his ministry. So I'm going to guess that Jesus was a pretty smart guy. Now, being God sort of helps him out a little bit in in this sense, but still, hang with me. Because I think Jesus got one thing really well. That judgment is a really terrible evangelism strategy. Very few people have ever been judged into life change. Many have been loved into it. Now, I'm going to guess, looking at the whole picture of, of the way Jesus worked, that Jesus didn't condone a lot of the things Zacchaeus was doing. He wasn't down for the cheating. He wasn't down for living the life of luxury at everybody else's expense. He probably wasn't okay with sending out some goons with baseball bats in case somebody needed to pay some back taxes. But look at what Jesus' invitation of love does to this pagan named Zacchaeus. So we see, as the story continues, in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. End of file. Mic drop moment. Surprised? I get that. Want to smack me with the brick? Fair enough. But here's a little trick to take just about any gospel story and bring it out of the first century and into our lives in the 21st century is to to look at the characters because the characters are all human beings and we're human beings, so there's a little bit of a connection there. And try and put yourself into the place of one of the characters and play the story out and see how it goes. So which character do we fit into in this story? Jesus? Let me give you a little hint as I give you this Bible study tip. Ten times out of ten, we're not the Jesus character. At best, we're Zacchaeus. 
at worst, we're the grumblers on the side giving Jesus flack for loving on a guy who does stupid differently than we do. So before we start yanking planks from our friend's eyes, what if we let Jesus be our friend? What if we let Jesus change our hearts the way that he did for Zacchaeus? To turn this turncoat, cheating tax collector into a guy who's doing right by everybody that he cheated. Trying to make amends as best he can. What if? Let's see what if in the next verse. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. This is the good news, that just as much as it changed Zacchaeus' life, can change our life. This is the good news that can allow us to think of others before we start thinking of ourselves. Because on our own efforts, it ain't going to happen. This is the good news that can allow us to engage with somebody we totally disagree with and to do it with love and integrity because on our own, ain't gonna happen. This is the good news that no matter how much our enemies want to call us Zacchaeus, the dirty, stinking, no good, filthy, rotten scoundrel, because we're not gonna use those descriptors for ourselves, that's for sure. No matter how much the other guy wants to call us that, this good news is that the Jesus that saves Zacchaeus calls us to come down and to be with him. So how do we live this out this week? Well, I'm going to give any non-Christians that hear this a break because this is something that we Christians really need to work on. I want you this week, it's very simple actually, to write down the names of three non-Christian friends that you have. And by the way, I hope you have at least three non-Christian friends in your life. If not, think of three non-Christians that you know. Write down their names, and this week, each day, pray for them. I know it can seem like a, a trite platitude, you know, that's what I'm supposed to say because I'm up here on a Sunday morning sort of thing. But think about it. It's really hard to genuinely pray for somebody and despise them at the same time. It's really hard to pray for somebody and judge them at the same time. It almost is, is more in line that we pray for somebody and our heart starts to break for them. As Keston Crown says in their song, Jesus, Friend of Sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And my prayer for you guys as you take this on, uncomfortable as it may be, out of your norm as it may be, that this will start to break down some of the walls in our hearts and in our lives so that we can experience the same abundant life that Jesus came and gave to this pagan named Zacchaeus. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.